Hi, welcome to episode six of the Amusia Story Podcast. This one is called See You in the Camps. I will explain that title. A few years ago at a lit reading in lovely Crown Heights, Brooklyn, expecting nothing in particular that night, I heard Shalom Auslander read a bit of his new book, uh, Hope, a Tragedy, and it was hilarious. A middle-class Jewish family moves into a nice suburban home to find that inexplicably Anne Frank is hiding in their attic. She's about uh, 90 years old at this point and very cranky. I took this as maybe an extended metaphor for cultural survivor's guilt, but it was like Kafka doing comedy. So I bought the book, had Shalom Auslander sign it. He asked me my name. I said, Mark with a C. And so he wrote in the flyleaf, Mark with a C. Thank you. See you in the camps. That's the phrase that popped in my mind when I was writing a story this week about a camp. But uh, this is not a Holocaust story. Think gulags. Think Stalin. In fact, the last thing I will say is that I've reflected a lot of bits and pieces here from one day in the life of Ivan Denisovich. Anyway, I hope everybody has a lovely June 7, 2016, primary voting day for California and several other states. 104854 is in bed, a sawdust-stuffed mattress on the lowest bunk, and pillowless, but there's no pillow to compare with the dreamy lushness of a fatigue indulged. Hey, that's poetic. 104854 wished he had some way to write that down. But no matter. It had been a huge day. Huge, but normal. And like every normal huge day, it left 104854 with only enough strength for a couple glorious minutes reflection before he passed into the murk of sleep. The day had begun like all days with the 5 a.m. call of Reveille. The summons to roll wouldn't be for an hour, giving the interns a chance to wash and clothe themselves and to gobble down their oatmeal in the mess hall. But for enterprising interns like 104854, that hour could afford a few spare minutes to do extra work for the other men in exchange for a bit of food or coin. 104854 was an enterprising man, and he loved his food, so like every morning, he'd spent the hour between five and six hustling. But not as energetically as usual. He seemed to be coming down with a flu or something, joints aching. But he'd earned a quarter that hour, nonetheless, darning a mitten for 104847. An evangelical with well-to-do family on the outside, whose gifts and bits of money let him pay others for small things and free his spare time for Bible recitation. Today it had been Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Stooped over the split gray boards of the barrack floor, hands trembling as he darned that mitten, 104854 worked his needle while half-hearing the old man recite. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. 104854 hurried on from his evangelical customer to his oatmeal, scarfing it down in time to join the dishwashers and help them stack bowls. For this, he won an eighth pint of cold chili. Real chili! With meat! Some kind of meat. But even this shot of energy didn't seem to bring up 104854's strength too much. He considered the possibility of getting himself off of work detail for the day by begging the guards to present him at the infirmary. They wouldn't go for that. He'd probably catch a stream of abuse and a clout in the back of the head with a rifle butt. And anyway, infirmary stays, in the company of other sick interns, often brought deeper illness, and this brought a trip to the ditches out of the furthest extent of the camp. Now, there was, there was no better cure for the croup than pure and wholesome labor, which was soon in coming. After a roll at six in the review square, 104854 and his 50 squad mates of the 104th hiked out to the work front through brambles and foothills and set into their daily 14 hours effort, excepting lunch break. The wall had been under construction for almost three years now, the western team 104854 was a small part of would soon meet the eastern team in a glorious reflection 
of that other great day America celebrated so long ago when the Transcontinental Railroad was completed. Oh, that was going to be a day of celebration. Extra rations and a Sabbath day of rest had been promised to everybody. What would become of all the workers the day after that, 104854, liked not to think about too much. There was too much to do to allow for thinking anyway. Years ago now, a temporary 20-foot fence had been rolled out along the entire border, and in the time since, work gangs like the 104th had set to buttressing it permanently with steep cement slabs, bound within by rebar and without by thick steel runner beams. The work gangs were composed, of course, by illegal aliens swept up in the ICE raids of 2017 and 18, but a significant portion of the workers were U.S. citizen haters, like 104854 was. He didn't personally consider himself a hater of anything, but he had been identified in a document scan by the Patriot Enforcement Bureau to have spoken ill of the current president prior to his fantastic, amazing inauguration. More specifically, 104854 once intemperately called the current president in a Facebook post in the summer of 2016 a, quote, shithead. This was a kind of offense there had been no use to protest against. They had 104854 dead to rights. Sad. When the PEB came to collect him from his home and wife and child at 4 a.m. one morning in October 2019, it had been long enough at that point since the passage of the Make America Great Again Act that he'd begun to think he was going to get by safely. 104854 had wiped out all traces of his earlier internet hate speech and paid a hacking service to make sure that job was thorough. But it wasn't thorough enough for the PEB. Interns were given a number in place of a name, which was installed by RFID chip in the arm. Tattoos were out as an option, not because the PEB cared about any analogy with labor camps of the past, but simply because so many of the interns they were collecting into the program already had millennial, hipster, full-sleeve ink on their arms. The wall-building project and many other work-detail enterprises, including the casino in Washington and the new Miss Universe Palace in Las Vegas, required vast ranks of unpaid labor for their completion. The PEB was ready to find all the muscle that the president required. But this was all ancient history. And was all for the best, honestly. It's a great America today, a huge new America. Or if not, 104854 liked to tell himself, it was just no use believing otherwise. No one had had much news from the rest of the world for a long time now. Just that everywhere were now famines, economic depressions, and wars, because other nations lacked the greatness and fantastic birth that the president had brought America. There wasn't much use in assuming any of these reports were untrue. America was prospering. Ever since the first wall had been completed, uh, the one protecting us from Mexico, the illegals were all in the work gangs of the National Internship Program now, side by side with haters like 104854, making America great every day with glorious new works. The president was into his third term now, and technically his last since in the third inaugural he declared that term to be lifelong. It had been a week-long festival with the largest fireworks displays in history, an unveiling of the golden statue of the president now towering over the capital city, and the announcement of new surveillance crackdowns that would make the nation safer and more prosperous than ever. Who was going to complain against any of these things? Nobody 104854 knew. Well, that wasn't entirely true. Uh, some of the men whispered now and then about making a break through the gap in the wall before the Eastern and Western work teams joined to close it. 104854 just tried to steer clear of these men. They had a habit of getting tapped up from sleep and taken away, never to be seen again. Two months ago, a pair of them had been shot down trying to make a break through the razor wire of the temporary fence. What was in it for them? How could they expect to survive alone in the tundra in January like this, with temperatures wobbling daily around either side of zero Fahrenheit? Everyone knows that Canada is a failed state, overrun by Muslims and transgenders and communists and atheists. Who would want to risk life and limb to escape into that frozen hellhole? 
Things were tough enough right here in the work gang. 104854 had lost one and a half fingers to frostbite. The men's clothing was threadbare and rarely replaced. Boots with holes, boots with no soles, no boots at all, and men out in the wall working in Crocs or Chuck Taylors or anything that was available from that abandoned Walmart they'd been allowed to raid in the summer. No, life was hard enough here in the internship program, in a winter spent in Montana, or possibly they were in North Dakota by now. What wouldn't be worse if a man ran out into the snows of Canada of his own recognizance? The president was walling us off from that degenerate nation for a reason. <laughs> well, enough worry over all that, 104854 told himself. He was in his bed, and he was fully content. He'd had many strokes of luck that day. The quarter he earned that morning, and the meat chili, despite feeling under the weather. A restorative day out on the wall, purifying himself with hard work. He'd been tired after supper, and so he didn't join some of the other men in listening to a pair of hater professors debating a few barracks over. Uh, somebody named Krugman and another named Reich, or Reich arguing if the Sanders campaign had helped the current president in office. Ancient history! 104854 took the opportunity that evening to stay out of trouble and to get his entertainment from simple repose. After all, to the weary, what's more pleasurable than rest? Really, all told, it had been a day without a dark cloud. Almost a happy day. <laughs>